The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com All right, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 to 17 is what we're focusing in on today. A new minister uh, came to the church and he was asked to teach the boys' class in the absence of the regular teacher. And he decided in this class that he wanted to find out what they knew. So he asked them, who knocked down the walls of Jericho? All the boys denied having done it. (laughs) The preacher was appalled by their ignorance. And at the next deacon's meeting, he told them about the experience. And he said, not one of them knows who knocked down the walls of Jericho, he lamented. And the group of deacons were silent for a little bit. And then one seasoned veteran, the deacon of dispute, spoke up, said, Preacher, this appears to be bothering you a lot. But I've known all the boys since they were born, and they're good boys. If they said they didn't know, I believed them. So let's just take out some money out of the repair and maintenance fund, and let's fix the walls, and let's go do that. (laughs) The question today, family... Is modern evangelicalism today, are we following the biblical directive that we are to let the word of Christ dwell within us richly? For years, family, I have studied these startling statistics of the Bible and specifically biblical and theological illiteracy in our culture. We don't know the Bible anymore. It's pretty sad. As we progress, it doesn't seem like it's getting any better. A survey that was conducted by Barna Research Group reveals reveals a widespread ignorance of common Christian terms. The researchers asked a sample group of over 1,200 people Uh, 1,200 adults, to define the Great Commission. Okay, so I want you to ask yourself these questions. I'm going to have a test after. I'm just, I'm kidding, I'm not. The Great Commission, Evangelical, John 3.16, and the Gospel. They're asked to describe and define those four things. Even what Barna says here, born-again Christians had trouble answering. Only 9% of the people that were actually asked could accurately define the Great Commission. 9%. Only 9%. About 75% of professing born-again Christians could not even give a definition of the Great Commission. 75%. 18%, I was actually surprised at this one, 18% of the respondents correctly defined an evangelical. So I thought this one was a little unfair. I mean, understanding and knowing the definition of what it means to be an evangelical, I think we should know what an, we sh- we should know what an evangelical is. But I just think that knowing all the tenets of, you know, uh, the, the power of conversion and how we are people of conversion, the authority of scripture, you know, the, the need for us to go into the world to proclaim the gospel, those kinds of things, the marks of an evangelical. I, I think that, you know, we should give a little bit of leeway on this. But I was surprised that 18% of the respondents respondent correctly defined evangelical. But 50% of born-again Christians, they didn't even know what that was. Hmm. Now, not being able to say it and define it is one thing. Not knowing what it is for us to be evangelical, that's different. 25% of the respondents gave accurately or partially or partial accurate descriptions of John 3.16. Obviously, they're not Tim Tebow fans. 
I mean, they could have at least said, you know, John 3.16, the thing that's under Tim Tebow's eyes, you know. 25% couldn't do this, and half of them couldn't even give a definition of John 3.16. John 3.16. 37% of the respondents correctly defined the gospel. That, that was good. But 16% of born-again Christians didn't even know what it was. How, that's the thing that blew me away, is how can you define yourself as a professing born-again Christian and not know what the gospel is? Barna said, uh, these terms clearly do not convey the intended meaning to the masses. The fact that so few of the insiders understood the meaning of these terms also suggests that the Christian church in this country would be wise to invest in training people about the basic principles and concepts of the Christian faith. Why is this important? Our patristic father Jerome said it. If you don't know the scriptures, you don't know Christ. Did you guys hear that? If you don't know the scriptures, I don't care what you say, I don't care what you believe, you do not know Christ. Because it makes sense, doesn't it? How can you? How can you know Christ if you don't know the scriptures? But see, here's the thing that I think now in, in, in our modern time, like this present moment at this time, I'm starting to find a different dynamic that's happening. Now that we're out, and, and me personally, I'm out there right now, and we are evangelizing, we are doing outreach, we're doing all this stuff, we're reaching out to the masses with the gospel. What I'm starting to see is that we, as Christians, are not suffering from biblical illiteracy anymore. We're suffering from what I'm going to refer to as biblicism. What does that mean? Forget biblical illiteracy. Our culture is forget the Bible. I mean, the Bible now, it's got to the place where it's not that we don't know what's in the Bible anymore. We don't even care about what's in the Bible anymore. People simply don't care. I could say to an individual, it's, in, it's vital. As a Christian, it's vital for you to know the word of God. And the response is, yeah, I agree, but <laughs> I don't really care. That's kind of our culture today. Just agree that it's important, but we just don't really care. But I always think, and I look back on this stuff, and I wonder why this is happening. Why is it that the Bible is just getting completely thrown out of the window? When you look today, you see Bible scholars today spending so much time showing people on how passage, the passages of the scriptures have nothing to do with us and doesn't apply to the salvation that God wants to give to us, and we're surprised that people don't want to read the Bible anymore? I mean, here, here's another one. We spend so much time spending hours and hours. If you go to the Christian bookstores today or if you just search on Christ, Christian online stores today, you'll see the countless works and books and tapes and videos as to how you can actually hear the voice of God and we wonder why people don't want to read the Bible anymore. And I, and I heard one individual say, come on, you don't want to have an ancient, non-relevant book. This is a pastor speaking now. You don't want to have an ancient, non-relevant book written about other people's experience to be the cornerstone of your life. Don't you want to have your own? We say stuff like this, we teach stuff like this, and no wonder people don't want to read the Bible anymore. And we wonder why people don't want to read the Bible anymore. And family, I've said this over and over again. All of this stuff is just convoluting the waters, making things more confusing, and it's not like it's not hard enough as it is. 
throw all of that stuff out, all this, this modern stuff that we're doing that's, that's causing people to have no confidence in the Bible anymore, throw all that stuff out. Did you know that just holding on to God's word was hard enough as it is? Yeah, Jesus said it. Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 to 23. Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 to 23. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Wow. Now, you tell me this just doesn't happen all the time. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. You see, this, this is the thing that gets me. Why, when we hear scriptures like this, where he's talking about and warning us about the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, that we still struggle with greed in the church. Greed should be that thing that's thrown out immediately the moment we see it. Why? Because when we are distracted with this stuff, when the word of God is growing with the thorn bushes, the worries of this life and the lure of wealth distract so no fruit is produced. This is a serious warning. What did Jesus do to the fig tree that didn't have figs on it? Amen. This is serious. This is the thing that's amazing to me is just how serious it is. This is a serious thing. And the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. So you see, it's the words of Christ, family, that will transform us, that will uphold us. It's the word of Christ that will revive the soul, that will make wise the simple, that will give joy to the heart, that will give insight for living, that will last forever that is fair that is finer than gold that's sweeter than honey and brings a great reward because the word of Christ is the power of God for salvation should I keep going it's also useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness, thoroughly equipping each one of us for every single good work. It is the very breath of God. So if this is the case, if this is what we get, if this is the life that's full of the word of God, if this is the case, how in the world can we be so ignorant of the Bible? Hmm. This, this, this question perplexed me for years. You know, as I, I, I researched and studied the statistics on this and just seeing this, you know, happen for myself and, and you, you see all the stories and things. I could, I could just sit here, pull up a stool and tell you the stories of just how, how many Christians I've come into contact with that have been professing Christians for years and years and years and didn't know that Solomon was David's son. If this is the case and we believe that this is the most amazing thing we have about the, in the Bible, is this the most amazing thing? Why are we so ignorant of it? And it just perplexed me. And I just, I, I prayed over this and prayed over this and, and just, just researching and studying and just, what can we do? What can we do? All this stuff. And I remember I was whining one day about this to my mentor. <laughs> and, and Ken just being being the loving guy that he is, just, well, Shane, let me, let me just ask you a simple question. Let's use Occam's razor. If you don't know what Occam's razor is, just the simplest answer is probably the right one, right? So you just go to, the, what's the simplest answer? The simple answer is because we don't believe it. That's the simple answer. 
all this amazing stuff that we see is the fruit, the fruit that we get from the Bible, the reason why we don't read it, the reason why we don't memorize it, the reason why we don't meditate on it, you know why? Because we don't believe it. If we actually believed it, we would do it. Seriously. Think about this. Because remember I was talking to you guys about the Proverbs. The Bible flat out says that the Proverbs, the Word of God, is actually more precious than rubies. Now remember the example I gave you? (laughs) It's so hard to get people to read the Proverbs. Just to get people to read the Proverbs today. But I guarantee you, if I made the announcement that after church today, come over to my house and I will let you reach into this bag and grab a handful of diamonds and rubies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, you guys are already lining up and it's not even true. (laughs) Ask yourself the question. Do we believe that the word of God really is more precious than rubies and diamonds and gold. Because if we really did, I would say that we would be meditating upon it day and night. The word of God is worth so much more than that. So today, if this will help you, this passage of scripture will help you. We gotta be honest though. So let's be honest. Let's take a look. Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. It's going to be a two-part, um, a two-parter, uh, because it's, I'm basically going to be dealing with one verse. But I want to read it all together. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you, you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that it continue to transform us and guide us, and it will accomplish all that you intend accomplish your purpose. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we're going to look at today is the significance of what it is to let the word of Christ dwell within us. And the second, so simple, we have got so much to be thankful for. Our thesis statement today is this, though sin and false teachers in the pattern of this world cause us to lose sight of the precious nature of the word of Christ, it is the spirit of God and the truth of the scriptures that will remind us that when heaven and earth passes away, the word of Christ will remain. Point number one, the word of Christ. Let it dwell in you richly. But what does the word of Christ mean? It's so simple. It simply is the gospel message of what God did in and through Christ. And this word of Christ is to dwell within us richly. This this means that Paul and Timothy desired the message of the gospel to be alive and living in the lives of the Colossians and that this gospel is to be in huge abundance. So this gospel, the message, the word of God, the word of Christ is to dwell within us. It's to be with us, not absent from us, to be living in us. And not only is it to be in us, but it's to be in us in abundance. To be in us richly in abundance. Um, A Jewish teaching uh, I can't remember which rabbi was that said it, but he used a, a, a common a teaching that when it was going around during that time uh, in, this, in this one historical book that I was reading. And it says, he who dwells in a house is the master of the house. He's not just a passing guest. So the individual, the understanding of dwelling is allowing the word of Christ to be master in the house. To be in the house. That the word of God should not be a passing guest. That it just doesn't come, say, hey, how's it going? Stay for a couple of days and then gone. Please tell me that's not what it's like here on Sundays. That on Sundays we hear the gospel, we hear the message, and it dwells with us. 
till Tuesday. And about Tuesday, the word of God has kind of wore out its welcome. Mm. Pastor Shane was preaching about that word, but it's, it's, it's time for, for, for it to leave now. Let's get something new. Let's see what's on Fox News. You know, we need something new. Got to get something. That we don't allow the word of God to be a passing guest. The gospel is not to be a passing guest in our lives. The word of Christ should indeed be primary in our lives. Now, remember I, I gave us that, that, that exercise. I'm hoping that some of you are using it because I just think this is just so, it's so perfect. There is a way you can test yourself to find out if you have a biblical worldview or not. You know those times when you're watching Fox News <laughs> and you get passionate about stuff? You know, I, I, I got relatives. I don't know if you guys have relatives. You'll, you'll probably see them during Thanksgiving, right? They come over on Thanksgiving and they watch Fox News and all they do is yell at the TV. You know, yelling at the TV as if Tucker Carlson can hear him. You know, Tucker, let me tell you something. You know, <laughs> is, is Tucker like too controversial? All right, all right okay, never mind. Let's, let's do, let's, Hannity, right? Less controversial. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the thing is, is that we get passionate about stuff. You know, especially when it comes to politics. A lot of times when it comes to Christianity, all this stuff, we get passionate about certain things. And this is the check that I do. I get passionate about some, some things, you know? And, and you know, and I, and I, start to, I start to just get all amped up and I, and I get, you know, sad or I get depressed or I get angry or I get upset about stuff, you know, all these things. And I get really passionate about it. And I just start, you know, proclaiming that this is the truth about it. This is what's right about it. And then I always, at that moment, I take a check. Oh, wait, Shane. All right, yes, you're passionate about this. Where in the Bible does it talk about this? And what's amazing is amazing is that sometimes we can do this and not have a scripture that we're, rest, that we're resting on. And you know what the thing is, family? Think about this. It's coming from somewhere. You're passionate, you're amped up, you're mad about something. It's coming from somewhere. Where did that standard come from? And if you don't have a scripture, it's not the Bible. Is the word of God rich? Is it dwelling within our lives? I give the example, you know, my, my grandmother used to do this all the time. You know, God rest her soul. Um, she used to do this all the time. She used to always, always complain about how abortion is wrong. She's right, Right? And she's always complaining about that abortion, abortion, abortion's wrong, abortion's wrong, abortion's wrong. And I remember one day, you know, I'm, I'm still young, I'm in seminary, right? And so, you know, when you're in seminary, you got to prove to everybody that you're smart just so that you can show your parents that, you know, they're, you're getting your money's worth, you know, all that stuff. And I asked my grandma, well, I know you believe that abortion is wrong, but do you know why? What's your biblical basis for that? Just because I can't quote a scripture, Shane, doesn't mean that I'm not right. I, I get it. I get that you're, you're not wrong, but I'm just curious. And then when we began to talk about it, it ends up being experiences, preference, uh, your emotions, your feelings, the same thing the world does when it comes to their standard of what's right and wrong. What makes us different, family, is we think it's wrong because the Bible says it's wrong. We think this is right because the Bible says it's right. How can we do that if we don't know the Bible? Is our worldview biblical? And the gospel is not just to be the master of the houses of our lives. It's not just to be in existence. It is to be there in abundance, richly dwelling in your lives. The word is to dwell in them richly. The, uh, one commentator said the church is to be stocked with good teaching as a palace is filled with treasures. We should be stocked with good teaching from the word of God. The word of God is treasures. All that we strive for in this life. A house, 
cars, stocks, crypto coins, the material possessions, fame, the bank account, all that we are striving for, all that we're fighting for in this life, all we're longing for, all we're yearning for, family, it's all going to pass away. Do you know that? It's all going to pass away. And, and many of these things that we're whining and we're yearning for, stuff that we're saving for, stuff that we're begging God for, God, please, please, if you give me this one thing I'm asking for, I'll never ask for anything again. I mean, you know, just the stuff, Leah, how we used to do with our parents and all this stuff. And then we finally get it. Sometimes they don't even last a year. All these things that we've been begging our parents for for Christmas, before the next Christmas rolls around, it's already in the attic. You know? This is, uh, I just remember my, my, my nephew once, we, we, we went and bought you know, one of these, uh, these video games for his, uh, you know, his, his uh, PlayStation or whatever it was. And, and these video games, I'm sure you guys have bought, right? They're, these video games are like 60, 70 bucks, man. They're, I mean, I don't know for, if that's expensive to me. It may not be expensive to you, but it's expensive to me. 60, 70 bucks for a video game. It's just, Uncle, Uncle Shane, I just want this video game. My parents won't get it. Blah, blah, blah. All these people. I just want this video game. That's all I want. Just give me this video game. That's all I want. It's just a video game. So Christmas comes around. We get him the video game. Dude's all excited. Busts it open. Thank you, Uncle Shane. And he comes, give me a hug, you know. All this stuff. Give Auntie Janine a hug. You know, everybody get a hug. Got the video game. Plunks it into the PlayStation, plays the video game. Before night rolls around, he already beat it. He already defeated it, and it's over. (laughs) And then it's done, and he's just like, okay, now let me go look at the other presents I got. (laughs) The day wasn't even done, and he was already done with it. It's amazing. But it's like we say this when it comes to these things, when it comes to the young people in our lives. But you know, we're the same way when it comes to adults. You know, one of my friends uh, bought this amazing car, saved for years and years and years, got this brand new car. I mean, this is like a couple months ago. He's already talking about the new car that he's going to buy. I'm like, what's wrong with this one? Oh, yeah, this, this car is still good. I still like this car. But then the next model came out already. And that next model, you know, you can push a button and it changes colors. <laughs> I, I need this one, Shane. You, you don't understand? I need this one. So I got I to gotta save up my money. I got to do this stuff. So I know you're needing some money for your outreach and all this stuff. But I got to get this car that changes colors. Family, all of these things, let me tell you something, let me say it again, all of these things will pass away. And a lot of these things will pass away before you pass away. You are going to see these things pass away that you just couldn't live without. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing how there's so many things in life that we say that we can't live without and we're still here. I mean, all those times I've told my parents, if you don't get me this, mom, I'm going to die. If that was true, I'd have been dead a long time ago. It's amazing what we say that we just can't live without, but we're still here. Even with struggles and difficulties that we have in our lives, let me just say that. So many things. I've been, like I said, I've been in ministry for over 30 years now, and I had no shortage of people telling me, Shane, if God doesn't get me through this, I am not going to make it. If God doesn't do this, I am, I am, I'm done. And you guys are all still here. It's amazing what God will get us through, isn't it? But I'm telling you, All these things are going to pass away. 
Many of these things we're going to see pass away before our very eyes. But I am telling you this. The word of God, the word that we heard today, the word that we're studying about today, the word of God that we memorize. We take a couple of seconds to memorize for us, maybe a couple of minutes now to memorize a passage of scripture. All the word of God that we memorize, all the word of God that we hide in our hearts, it will never, no, never, ever pass away. I am telling, I tell you this, and like if I could, if, if I actually were to be blessed, to actually, I don't know if it would be blessed, but who's that? Is, is uh, Liz Taylor still alive? Oh, it has been a while? Well, I guess I'd have to wait till I, till I, go, to, uh, till I go to heaven. And I, and I say, <laughs> somebody over there shaking his head. <laughs> no, not when you get to heaven. Oh my gosh. All right, I got to recover. 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 That was funny. That was funny. Okay, I'll take it back when I get to purgatory. Um, (laughs) I'm going to look at Liz Taylor and tell her you know what? One thing that we've all come to figure out and find out diamonds are not forever. But John 3.16 will never pass away. This is the thing that's absolutely amazing to me. The stuff that we study, when we read the Bible, we memorize the Word, we do all these types of things. The stuff that we're learning right now will never, ever pass away. The promises of God that we hear from His Word will outlast all that is. And I, and I think about this. I said, you know, so number one, it's like we are, we, we will live forever, but we are never going to be eternal. Only God is the eternal, right? So there will never be an end for us, but, you know, there was a beginning for all of us. So here's the thing. If it's possible, and I think that it's pretty possible, because you think about eternity now. Eternity you know, forever, infinity, all this stuff doesn't end. So chances are you and I are still going to be around in the life a hundred trillion years from now. I, I just, I'm just amazed that God's going to keep us entertained for a hundred trillion years. A hundred trillion years from now, we might at that time actually forget that there was such a thing called earth. Now, I know people are saying, well, but Shane, you know, if we're eternal, and all, I mean, if we're infinite and all this stuff, we're going to live forever. You know, we're going to have forever memories. Are we? So you say, I don't know. I mean, think about that. 100 trillion years from now, we might not even know who we are married to, who we were married to. Oh. You guys should have saw the look Nedra gave me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's going to be an eternal chain that's attached to Jerry, right? Um, we might forget who we were married to. We might forget even who our kids were. We might forget family. We might forget what we had done for a living. We're going to forget our net worth, even the stuff that happened in heaven when we first came into glory. Oh, man. Think about that. That's a long time. Eternity just is one of those things that just boggles my mind, that it's just never going to end. How long is this going to go for? What are we going to be doing? Right? So, and a part of it is just, you know, like, well, are we really going to remember everything a hundred trillion years from now? I'm going to tell you one thing right now, that the sermon and the word of God that you are hearing today is still going to be with you. Why? Because the word of God will never, ever, ever pass away. 
Oh yeah, we might not remember our kids, but we're going to remember Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to remember the Apostle Paul. We're going to remember. So why is it, if this is forever, do we have such a difficult time meditating upon this wonderful gift that he had given us? With all the statistics concerning this, I wonder if we should be concerned. How can the gospel be alive and living and in abundance in the lives of believers today if we don't know what it is? This is why I'm so adamant about the gospel being proclaimed in everything that we do. The gospel being declared. The gospel being the center of all life in the church. But how can we get it out if we don't even get it? Hmm. All the scriptures point to Christ, and to preach Christ is to preach his word and his works. And to preach his word and his works is to illuminate the death and resurrection of Jesus. I remember talking to a Christian, just a couple weeks ago, I'm talking to a Christian on, on YouTube, you know, doing, you know, going back and forth on YouTube anyway. Talking to one of these things, it wasn't a public post, so you can't go back and look at it. It, it was like a private post. It was really interesting. It was just like, yeah, you know, Shane, you talk about the importance and how fundamental the resurrection of Jesus is. I didn't even know he died. Which was puzzling. (laughs) Which was puzzling because the person thought that Jesus was still alive today. Well, because if he's God, he wouldn't die. So it was really interesting when I'm looking at this going, there's some things that were missed (laughs) somewhere in your discipleship and somewhere in your upbringing. Now, I I get it. That's good that you believe that Jesus is God because that's super important. And that God doesn't die. Yes, that's super important. But do you know that if Jesus didn't die, we're all going to hell? Wow. Wow. Huge peace, wouldn't you think? And how would we know that if it wasn't for the Bible? How are we supposed to teach? How are we supposed to counsel each other in all wisdom? Because he puts a, a caveat in there, using God's wisdom. We got to use wisdom when we teach and we counsel. How are we supposed to do that if we don't know the word of Christ? How do we know wisdom if we don't know wisdom? How can we do what is wise if we don't know what is wise? Super important here. How do we grow in the grace and knowledge of God if we don't know the word of God? A Gallup poll came out. Only three out of five Christians could recall the names of the first four books of the New Testament. Can you do it? Who can't? I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. When I call Don to the front, you can confess it to Don after service today. Only half the Christians interviewed correctly identified Jesus as the person who delivered the Sermon on the Mount. Only half of the Christians that they polled could identify Jesus as the one who preached the Sermon on the Mount. A full 42% of Christians interviewed said that without the government's laws, there would be no real guidelines for people to follow in daily life. Wow. Let me, let me share this real quick with you. I, I was reading an article by Dr. Al Mohler. If you guys don't know who doc, Dr. Al Mohler is, find out who Al Mohler is and read and listen to his show. It's amazing. I, I, I try to listen to his show every single day. Just amazing stuff. But he gave some stats from Barna that I thought was real interesting. He says here, um, 88% of U.S. adults say their household owns at least one Bible. of households in the U.S. 48% of U.S. US adults read the Bible less than two times per year. I'm guessing Christmas and Easter. 
45% of U.S. adults believe the Bible teaches that God helps those who help themselves. You'd be shocked, family, how many people actually believe that's in the Bible. You'd be shocked. <laughs> 45% of U.S. adults believe that the Bible teaches... Oh, that uh, uh, 60% of Americans can't name five of the Ten Commandments. Right now, can you name five? Moeller continues, Churches must recover the centrality and urgency of biblical teaching and preaching and refuse to sideline the teaching ministry of the preacher. And I know that. Do you guys know that the the profession of preacher is very much sidelined today? I don't want to hear it. It's just, you know, the first thing people assume when they find out that I'm a pastor is that I'm going to preach to them, which is true. But <laughs> you know, especially at Bronco games, right? You know, it, it's it's just because people today we don't want anybody telling us what to do. That's number one, and number two, I've already figured out what it is. That, I, my, that, that my life is what my life is about. I do not need anybody coming into my life and shooting holes in it. Do not shoot holes in my plans. Anyway, he goes on. Pastors and churches too busy or too distracted to make bib- biblical knowledge the central aim of ministry will produce believers who simply do not know enough to be faithful disciples. Family, when I was in Hawaii, an individual, a high-ranking individual from the SBC came to our pastor's convention that we had in Hawaii. I'm not going to mention his name or mention any of this. I'm just letting you know that it's within our walls. He's telling pastors, pastors, your role as a pastor is absolutely irrelevant today. Nobody cares. Nobody cares what you have to say. So the last thing you want to do is to preach anything from the Bible or preach any doctrine to them. What you do is you tell them stories about what God had done to people over the years and you tell stories about what God has done and that will encourage people and people will come to your church. Serious. This is, this is what he told us, guys. Even our convention is trying to tell us to get away from preaching the Bible. And I'm sitting there, are you serious? And you know what? You, you, I'm hoping you guys would be proud. You know how I have this real bad problem of keeping my mouth shut? Excuse me, sir. May I ask a question? And so I talked to him, and all I used was scripture about, you know, First Timothy, useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. You know, that, that the word of God is the, the breath of God. How, you know, Hebrews, if you look at the sermons in, in the book of Hebrews, how they use scripture, and all the scripture is his doctrine and theology. It's just, you can't get away from it. Did he give me a biblical response? No. You know what he said? How big is your church? And then I put my head down and said, I am ashamed, and I walked. No, I didn't. (laughs) Family, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. The growth, the vibrance, the the numbers, the, the size of a church is now dictating what is going to be preached from the pulpit today. Are you kidding me? This is exactly what Al Mohler's talking about. He says, we know this. We will not believe more than we know. And we will not live higher than our beliefs. So you won't believe more than you know. And you won't live higher than what you believe. The many fronts of Christian compromise is in this generation and can be directly traced to biblical biblical illiteracy in the pews and the absence of biblical preaching and teaching in our homes and in the pulpits of churches in our country. Wow. 
This generation of Christian parents and pastors must get deadly serious about the problem of biblical illiteracy or a frighteningly large number of American Christians included, Christians included, will go on thinking that Sodom and Gomorrah lived happily ever after. Without a mature knowledge of God's word, how can churchgoers expect to make new disciples of Christ? Because in order for a person to be a disciple of Christ, we're supposed to go into all the world, great commission, just in case, great commission, go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we're supposed to do what? Teaching them all I have commanded you. The number one reason why Christians today are failing at being salt and light in our current culture today is because of biblical illiteracy. Are we ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us with gentleness and with respect? How can we make disciples of Christ by teaching them everything Christ has commanded if we don't know what he commanded? The gospel of Christ is not the ABCs of Christianity. It's the A to Z of Christianity. And the Bible makes that very clear. We're also under this delusion that was pointed out by David Nienhus, a professor of Seattle Pacific University who wrote about a confusion that people have. Just because we are familiar with the Bible does not mean we know it. In, in 2021, Lifeway Research they found that 11% of American evangelicals have read all the scripture. 9% have read all the scriptures more than once. 10% none at all. 13% only a few sentences. 12% almost all of it. 15% at least half of it. And 30% several passages or stories. The same study noted that 32% read the Bible every day. 27 read it a few times a week. 12% read it once a week. 11% read it a few times a month. 5% once a month. And 12% rarely read it at all. This is a serious problem because the Bible tells us that we are supposed to meditate on his word three times a year. No. We are supposed to meditate on his word two times a year. Oh, okay. Once a week? No. Three times a week? No. Now the Bible commands that we are to meditate on his word day and night. Wow. Day and night. But here's, but here's the thing. What happens is, is sometimes... We, we get to the place where I feel like as leaders, and I, and I feel this too, as leaders, we want to be encouraging. We want to encourage individuals. You know, and so, hey, you know what, Pastor Shane, I'm having trouble reading the Bible every single day. And, you know, and, and so what ends up happening is we, we take it on wrongly, take it on as church leaders. I heard a, a, a pastor on TV, he was actually uh, preaching this very thing. And he said, you know what, if you can't read the Bible day and night, you know what, just read, just read it like a couple times a week. If you do, God will be happy with you. Yeah, we want, we want to be encouraging. So we say stuff like that because, you know, he will say, well, you know, because two times a week is better than nothing. And I'm just like, yeah, but why would God be happy with that when he commanded us to read the Bible day and night? Which means that what do we need to do if God's going to be happy with us? We need to read the Bible day and night. <laughs> Not two times a week. But see, the thing is, is that if you're telling an individual that it's okay for them to read the Bible once or twice a week, and God is happy with that, think about this. No wonder they don't want to read the Bible. Do you know what that's telling? you know what that's telling an individual? You're telling the individual that, you know what, the Bible is important, but not really because if you can just do it two times a week, you're okay. What is that saying about the Bible? There is a reason why we're supposed to meditate upon the words of God day and night. Because it's worth it. His word is worth it. And it carries that much. It's that important. 
It's so awesome. It's so important. It's so precious that you better, you want to read it day and night. That's how important it is. So we continue to do these things to minimize scripture by trying to help this stuff. No, we don't do that. We just preach what the word of God says. This is a serious problem. The Bible commands that we meditate on his word day and night. Yes, a very, very serious problem. How serious? Let me say it again. Our patristic father Jerome wrote, if you don't know the scriptures, you don't know Christ. This is why I urge you with all that is in me to know the word of God today. Jerome is not wrong. How can we know what we need to know for salvation without the Bible? I will say it because I'm unashamed of saying this. The body of Christ today are absolutely afraid of the world. We're terrified of the world. We're chicken of the world. We're afraid of what the world is going to do for us. So we want to get rid of anything that's going to expose any of the things that the world is doing. That's why they're not going to say, they're not going to say what they need to say about homosexuality. They're not going to say what they need to say when it comes to transgenderism. They're not going to say what they need to say about abortion. They're not going to say any of that stuff. People come right out and ask our evangelical leaders point blank questions and they don't want to answer it. Why? Why are we so afraid? So we got to get rid of the Bible because you know why? If we can get rid of the Bible, then the light isn't showing. People can still hide in darkness and we can get away with doing what it is that we want to get away with. We got to stop being afraid. You know, it's just, and it's what, well, Shane, you know what? My, my friend, he's a mega church pastor. But Shane, you know what the problem is? And every once in a while, I get a chance to talk to him. <laughs> You know what the problem is with you? It's like you don't have anything to lose. You know, you got, you got a small church, you got a small ministry, you got all this stuff. You got nothing to lose. If I go out there and say all that kind of stuff, my church is going to shrink, my church is going to fall, and I got all these employees and people that depend on me. I got these big ministries and all this stuff. I got contracts that I got to fulfill. I got all this stuff. I can't say those kinds of things. I'm serious. This is not a straw man. I build. This is what conversations we have. This is the fight that I have all the time. You got nothing to lose. I got all this to lose. And I'm just like, man, we should be ashamed of ourselves. Do you know what's amazing to me is our Lord came. And man, when he fed the 5,000, whoo. I mean, again, remember, right? It, it's probably more than 5,000 people he had. Man, our Lord Jesus had this great great congregation and he decided that he was going to preach the truth about who he was and that you were going to eat my body and you are going to drink my blood and his congregation in one day went from over 5,000 people to 12. So don't go whining to Jesus about you don't know what it's like to lose a congregation because the truth is more important. And so what if you have all of that stuff? You got 5,000 people in your church, but none of them know the Bible? What good is that? Because what good is it to gain the whole world but lose your own soul? This is why we preach expository sermons here. And a lot of people don't like it. This is why we preach the truth here. And a lot of people don't like it. This is why we preach the gospel every single week. And a lot of people don't like it. And there are so many things out in this world that's trying to snatch the seeds of the word of God from us. That's why we've got to fight for it. We've got to defend it. We've got to protect it. And we do not let the enemy take the word of God from us. Because we believe that it's the finest, finer than gold. It's absolutely sweeter than honey. J.C. Ryle, anything you can read from J.C. Ryle, you should read. He's, he wrote this, by reading the Bible, we may learn what to believe, what to be, and what to do. 
how to live with comfort and how to die in peace. Man, how to live in comfort and how to die in peace. Man, family, that, that, past, that part of what J.C. Ryle said, this is a famous quote of J.C. Ryle. People talk about this all the time. That's huge. Because isn't that kind of the makeup of what the world should see when they look at Christians? When they see a Christian, they see an individual who lives in comfort. Well, wait a minute. All the trials and tribulation and all that stuff, yeah, that's the thing that makes us different. Why? It's because we have the Holy Spirit. So when the world is falling apart, when everything is on fire, when everything is coming to an end, a Christian is walking there singing, blessed be the name of the Lord. And when it's time to die, we don't fret. When it's time to die, we don't panic. When it's time to die, we are there sitting in peace like Christians have done throughout all of the centuries when martyrs were being burned at the stake and instead of crying out and screaming for their lives and screaming about injustice, they're singing how wonderful our Lord is. Man, When we read the Bible, we learn what it is to believe, what to be, what to do, and how to live with comfort and how to die in peace. Watch what he says. He'll continue. Happy is the man who possesses a Bible. Happy is the man who possesses a Bible. Happier still is the one who reads it. Happiest of all is he who not only reads it, but obeys it and makes it the rule of his faith and practice. And it's, it's here already. Family, we don't need to chase the new trends. We don't need to chase what popular TV preachers are saying. And, and family, come on. I know that you guys are wrestling with this stuff about, yeah, you know, we got our pastor, Shane. You know, he just, you know, gradu- he just he graduated from seminary. just a young guy and all this stuff. But this guy is on mega TV. He's on satellite stations. He's on all this stuff. You know, why am I believing Shane when this guy is, you know, so famous and he's so successful and he's all this stuff and all the stuff that he's trying to say and we're wrestling. Sometimes we might feel that. We're wrestling with this and we're making the judgment based on success. But let me tell you the reason why they're successful because they're trying to get your money. That's what the Bible says that they're going to do. And family, they're proving it. They're proving it. They're showing where their heart really is. Of course they're going to tell you what you want to hear because they know as long as they can encourage you and you can be happy with what they said, you're going to write them a check. Of course they're going to do that. And then you see the stuff that's happening with our ministers today. Did you see that there's another megachurch pastor that got in trouble because apparently the church wasn't paying him enough money so he got into child pornography? And now he got arrested and he's going to go to prison for the rest of his life because of it? It's just a complete, total downfall of all this stuff. And one minister told me, Steve, I don't know if you were there. Anyway, we're having a conversation with one of these guys. And he was saying, without coming out and saying it, he was telling us that the more ignorant people are of the, of the Bible, the more we can control them and get them to do what, they, what we need them to do. Did you know that? This is a ploy. This is the plan. This is the strategy of many of these, these guys that are out there. They want you to stay ignorant of the Bible because as long as you are, you will listen to anything they say and you will do whatever they tell you to do. Oh, oh, I'm begging you. Here at Central, we don't let this happen, and we don't let this happen to other people that we know. We've got to say it. We've got to let them know. And he has done an amazing thing by giving us his word. He reached out to his creation with the wonderful word of Christ. He gave us the wonderful news of the gospel. 
But it's because of our sin that we reject the scriptures. We reject the truth because it's a light exposing what we try to hide in darkness. We want to distance ourselves from the Bible because we don't want to, because we want to do our evil things. Because in our culture today, if we can get rid of the Bible, we can justify fornication. We can justify lying. We can justify cheating. We can justify homosexuality. We can justify transgenderism. We can justify drugs. We can justify drunkenness, aggression, anger, hostility, indifference, and all other kinds of idolatries. If we can hide the light, we can live the lie. Wrong is right, and now we die. The darkness will be eternal. Right? The darkness will be eternal. The fire will be forever. If we don't know the Bible, we're not going to identify the things that are false. Things that are false. There, there, there's, a, there's a preacher that I was listening to just, uh, just a couple days ago. He was saying, you don't have to worry about hell. Don't worry about hell. He says, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. That's it. So you just keep doing what it is that you're doing. You just try as hard as you can, but don't worry about eternal condemnation because it's not there. All these preachers are preaching about hell and how this is a place you don't want to go and all this stuff. They're, he's calling me a liar. The Bible clearly says, he says, the Bible clearly says that hell is prepared for the devil and his angels. We're not going to go there. And I know what passage of scripture he's talking about. You know what passage of scripture he's talking about? He's talking about the people who he separated those on his left and those on his right. And where did he say the people on his left were going to go? They're going to go to the fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels. <laughs> don't let the lies, don't let it. The Bible clearly states that there is eternal torment the place will be torment. The place will be anguish. The place will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All of humanity who do not believe in the gospel, all who are not covered with the blood of Jesus, all who are ignorant of Christ and his gospel will be cast into this outer darkness. This is the truth. Oh, but Shane, that's just your interpretation. Yeah, it's my interpretation and the interpretation of all conservative Christians for throughout all of history. So good luck. The Bible declares that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He gave us the Ten Commandments not to show us what we need to do for righteousness, but to show us that we cannot do what is commanded. Therefore, it leads us all to the conclusion, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And when that happens, I get to tell you something. God gave me this wonderful gift. He told me something that I get to tell you today. I get to tell you this today. Thanks be to Christ Jesus because he made a way for us. Because even though the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the Bible also says that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. That Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. By his wounds we are healed. And as always, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The gospel of John was written so that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and that by believing, we would have life in his name. Man.
This is the gospel of Jesus. This is everything. It is the power of God for salvation. It's our everything. It's what we stand on. Fixing our eyes upon Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. Family, salvation is here. How do I know? Because the word of God tells me so. May we all let it dwell within us and may it be in abundance in our hearts today. Let's pray. Thank you for listening and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.